we are. Welcome back to another episode of the Strongest Child Podcast. I am so excited to have you. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, today is another solo episode and we are chatting all about knee osteoarthritis, which is so exciting. Um, maybe that might sound a bit boring to some of you, but hopefully not. I'm going to assume not because if you're here, you probably read the title and you're probably interested. So thanks for tuning in. Before I get into that, I'm just going to say hello and welcome. If you're a new listener, thank you for joining in. Super exciting. The Strongest Tribe podcast is a team of two, Sophie Lane and Lydia Mackay. And at the moment, you just have me. You just have Lydia. Uh, But normally our episodes have got both of us. It's just every second week we have a little solo app. So that's what you're listening to right now. Uh, Anyway, I'm pretty much going to just get straight into it and chat about the topic because you guys know me. I like to dilly-dally and I get distracted, so I'm going to be as concise as I can. The topic of today, knee osteoarthritis. So as you guys know, I'm a physiotherapist and I work in private practice and predominantly work with musculoskeletal conditions, so anything related to the bones and the muscles. And something that is super, super common, um, just, I mean, it's a common condition in general, but um, something that I see a lot in my line of work is osteoarthritis, and in particular, knee osteoarthritis. I think too, as a runner, often you hear people talk about how running is bad for your knees or running hurts your knees. And it just seems to be such a common thing. Like growing up, I just remember hearing like people say things like, oh, no, I can't run because I've got bad knees or, um, oh, careful, if you do too much running, you'll get bad knees. And it's so funny, too, because I've had so many sort of like knee, not uh, not anything too major, really, but I feel like I've had a lot of knee injuries. Um, And it's just so it just makes me laugh because one of my best friends actually, Kelsey, shout out to Kelsey. Um, it's just like whenever she, whenever we catch up, it's always so long in between we catch up, but whenever we do, she's always like, oh, and how are your knees? Cause it's just like such a classic thing. I'm like, yep, got another knee thing going on. Um, but I guess essentially I want to create this episode because I want to dispel that myth that running is bad for your knees because it actually isn't. And the more I've learned about our body through my studies as a physio and my just experience working as a physio and my own curiosity and interest in reading up on the research, I've realized that it actually is not. Running is not bad for your knees. Yes, um, there is a lot of injuries that can come about from running potentially affecting your knees like knees is a common area where runners tend to get injuries knees and feet but there is no real reason um, or evidence to prove that running actually is linked to knee osteoarthritis so I guess if you want to take anything from this episode take that running does not cause knee OA and that's pretty much it. Like that's the summary of this whole episode. <laughs> running does not cause knee osteoarthritis. So I've said that a few times now. It's in your head. You know it. That's pretty much all I'm going to be chatting about, but obviously going to go into a little bit more detail. So I guess firstly, um, what is knee osteoarthritis? Um, so osteoarthritis is a joint condition and there's a very high prevalence of it in Australia and the world. Um, 
people typically talk about it as wear and tear um, of a knee joint or degenerative knee. Um, and essentially that is what it is. It's, it is a degenerative joint disease. And essentially you have progressive loss of articular cartilage and articular cartilage just means the cartilage in your joint. Um, and essentially what happens is your collagen fibers become disorganized and they lose their elasticity and then they progressively erode. And then as they erode and get thinner, your bones sort of become closer together and then you start to get bone on bone as people always say and fear and are scared of because I mean gosh it sounds so dramatic but yeah essentially you get bone coming in contact with bone and the bone sort of then acts defensively or protectively and it expands and then you get osteophytes or spurs people say and essentially it's just like little bony growths um, because your bone sort of deposits extra bits of calcium in funky places which hurts it's painful it's uncomfortable so I guess yeah focusing on the knee obviously you can get well if you didn't know you can get osteoarthritis in many different locations um in fact when this is interesting when I had my stress fracture at the end of last year um I had an x-ray on my foot and they actually said oh you've got some midfoot arthritis so yeah, it can happen anywhere. It can happen in your feet, bones. It can happen in your hands, your wrists, your shoulders, your hips, knees, literally everywhere that you've got a joint, it can happen. Um, but I obviously this episode is focusing on knee OA because it is sort of that common runner's fear. Osteoarthritis can be very painful um, and often people actually lose range of motion. So as the disease progresses, People actually can't bend and straighten their knee all the way. Not everyone. Everyone has slightly different symptoms, but they sort of are the typical symptoms is that you get pain and you get stiffness. So that stiffness is often in the morning. People wake up and that first sort of 30 minutes to an hour or however long, they're quite stiff and they find it quite hard to walk. And that movement in their knee is really restricted. And then as they warm up, it gets a bit better. Um, And depending on what sort of stage you're at, but you might get pain going up or down the stairs or maybe if you're on uneven surfaces maybe walking on the gravel or the sand or um, it might just be that you get pain doing more strenuous activity Um, everyone will be a little bit different but I guess they're the main thing so I guess when you think about that I think about myself and I've definitely had um, some niggling knee situations and like various different things Um, if I think about my foot like this midfoot pain, which I've had on and off for quite some time. And honestly, I do have stiffness in the morning and I do have pain. So maybe that midfoot arthritis really is real, Um, which, yeah, they picked that up on x-ray. So I'm 25 and yeah, that is very real and very happening, but it doesn't really affect my life. Probably not at all. I can run, I can go to the gym, I can walk, I can hike, I can swim, I can do all these things and it really doesn't affect my life. So I guess what I'm sort of getting to here is that um, osteoarthritis sounds really scary, but it, it is on, I guess, a big broad spectrum and a big, like it's a, it's, it's a gradient Is that the word I'm looking for? (laughs) Um, It's not just like you have it or you don't have it and you've got it and now you need a joint replacement 
and you can't run, you can't lift weights, you can't do anything, or you don't have it at all. Like it is something that is really gradual and it happens over time. And the truth is it pretty much happens to just about everyone. Um, Once you're over seven years of age, 40% of people have knee OA, which is insane because like that's just knee OA. What about all your other joints? And obviously 70 is quite old, but I guess what I'm saying is it's pretty likely that just about everyone will have it. Um, The other really interesting thing too is that with osteoarthritis, the role of imaging is not actually that important. So a lot of the times people sort of think, okay, I need to get an image. I need to get an x-ray and have a look so I can see what's going on. But what is really kind of cool is that, in fact, in fact, maybe some people find it not cool, but most people on imaging will actually have signs of degenerative wear and tear or degenerative um, findings on their joints. It's just a really, really normal finding. And it may not be in all of your joints, but it will probably be in some of your joints. So there's heaps of research now and a lot of practitioners who really advocate to not get images because a lot of time it just sort of creates fear in patients because most of the time on the image, you see that there is wear and tear, but it isn't always consistent with what people actually experience. So what people experience is quite variable and it is not perfectly in alignment with what we see on the scans. Yeah, so there's in one study, um, 15% of patients who had radiographic findings, when I say radiographic, I just mean findings on an x-ray, um, actually had symptoms. So all these people, they all had on their x-ray. So let's say we had a hundred people got an x-ray of their knee and all of them had osteoarthritis on their scans. Only 15 of these hundred people actually had symptoms. So actually had knee pain, stiffness, reduced range of motion, all those things. So that, that just in on its own, I hopefully will give people some sort of hope and um, well, for me, I think it's exciting. It's like, how cool is this? Like, just because that's what the image says, it doesn't mean that you're going to have pain and doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to go and do and live and experience all these wonderful things that life has to offer. Um, your scan does not define you and an x-ray is not the whole story. And I feel like this is something that I'm always trying to explain to patients and I say trying to explain, um, I guess I am explaining, but I think, it's hard for people to understand because osteoarthritis, it it sounds like a big deal. And obviously me being 25, I can't relate to someone who's 70 and really is significantly impaired by their knee pain. Um, But I guess the whole point of this episode is just to empower anyone who is experiencing joint pain um, to know that 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 is not the end of your story. Just because you've got joint pain right now and you've been to the doctor and you've had an x-ray and it says, correct, yes, we have degenerative findings. There could be other things going on. Those findings on the scan, those um, that wear and tear, the loss of articular cartilage, all those scary things, that is not your whole story. That is just something that's going on. That may not even be causing your pain. That could just be an incidental finding um, or it could be related to your pain. But guess what? There's heaps of things that we can do. That is not the end of the story. So I just want anyone who is concerned about their pain to know that 
the story doesn't end there. Um, okay, so where are we at? So we've discussed what it is, as I said, degenerative joint disease, wear and tear, as people commonly say. Um, the big scary thing that you often hear people talk about is bone on bone, um, which essentially just means that that cartilage has been lost. But anyway, essentially, it's a joint that's not very happy. Um, it affects lots of people, very, very common in all areas of our body. Um, and running does not cause it. So what causes it? Our main risk factors are actually age. So if you want to avoid it, don't get old. But um, probably anyone listening to this, well, hopefully everyone listening to this, um, isn't going to take that advice to mean that they're actually going to stop aging because we can't do that. Everyone is aging every day, every moment. As soon as you stop growing, um, you start getting old. Like you literally just are in decline <laughs> forever. Um, and I don't mean to be pessimistic, but that's just the truth. We're all aging and, you know, falling apart. But at the same time, everything is good and our body is adaptable. So first risk factor, age. Um, gender, females are more likely to get OA. Um, BMI, so body mass index, and essentially that just means your weight to height ratio. Um, and essentially that just means carrying extra body fat. So if you're obese, you have a far greater risk of having osteoarthritis. And I think for probably the listeners of this podcast, that's not really something that needs to be addressed or changed. And maybe it does. Um, but I mean, obviously, I don't know everyone who's listening to this, but uh, probably most people listening to this are quite active. For the general population, though, um, weight is a really, really significant factor because if you're carrying extra weight, um, it, your jo- your joints have to support that. And it, yeah, extra weight is not good for us. Um, obviously, extra muscle is good for us, but extra body fat is not so crash hot. Um, the other risk factor is occupation. So there is research that shows occupations that have got high sort of mechanical loading do tend to have a greater correlation or greater risk to having neo-OA. So um, these jobs could be not necessarily people who are on their feet all day, but um, I think there's some mention of occupations where there's like lots of kneeling um, or sort of like carrying lots of heavy loads where you're sort of twisting and turning. Yeah, look, I don't know all the details of, of the occupations and there probably is more research specifically on that. But um, more broadly speaking, it's just occupations where there's more mechanical stress and loads on the joints. Um, I don't want that to scare anyone and anyone to think that they need to like not do too much physical uh, because there is also research that talks about people who have more active jobs um, just living longer and being healthier. So let's not get too caught up and stressed about our jobs uh, because we can't all be professional athletes. Um, and then the other risk factor is trauma. So people who have had meniscus injury or ACL. So like, let's just think about, I guess, anything within our joint, any sort of trauma to any of those structures. So you've got your ACL, you've got your PCL, which are two main ligaments in your knee. You've also got your meniscus, which is like another part of cartilage in the knee. Um, which helps shock absorb. So these injuries are really common for people who play like stop start type sports, like contact sports. (laughs) I clearly don't play these sports because I just can't think of the words to describe them. But anything like netball, stop start, union, league, 
um, AFL where you've got like contact from another player. Um, really common to have these quite serious sort of knee traumas. They're not as common, these injuries in runners, but is common in running sports. Um, you guys probably know all about that. But yeah, any of those injuries do dramatically increase your risk of knee OA. Okay, so they're the main things. I haven't mentioned running because guess what? Running is not one of them. I used to think that it was because it just seemed to be just such a thing that people spoke about is that if you run, um, you wear out your knees. And I used to even think like, okay, I've got to make sure like I don't run too much so I don't wear out my knees. And I think it's important to know that just because you have knee pain doesn't mean you've got knee osteoarthritis because there are a lot of other things that can go on with our knee. Um, definitely recommend to go and get checked out by a physio just with anything that's going on because if you leave things for a long time, um, chronic injuries tend to be quite hard to treat. So it's definitely worth anything that's going on getting it checked out as soon as possible so you can get onto it, recover, and then get on with your life as quickly as possible. Um But just to talk a little bit about the evidence for developing osteoarthritis, um, there's really, really good research to show that it actually doesn't increase your risk. So um, runners who engage, this is from a 2014 paper, um, and I'll link these papers in the show notes as well because you guys might want some extra reading, but essentially I'm just going to give you a little brief rundown of a few of the key studies. Um, but yes, this particular paper says that runners who engage in regular running experience knee pain less often than non-runners. So this is just in general about the evidence um, for developing OA in runners compared to non-runners. Um, they found that running regular running does not increase the risk of developing knee OA among the general population and may actually have a protective effect against developing OA. Um, also, OA is osteoarthritis. <laughs> I'm sure you guys figured that out. There's no reason to restrict particular or participation, sorry, in running at any stage of life as running does not appear to be harmful to the knee joint. And then it also says here, people with a lower BMI were more likely to engage in regular running. So I think that's another interesting thing too, as I did mention that BMI um, is a risk factor for knee osteoarthritis and typically runners have a lower BMI. So I think that's just something to consider as well, that that probably does or potentially could skew this research just a little bit because typically runners are healthier humans compared to the general population. So just being a runner promotes good health and that just reduces our risk of literally every um, chronic disease. So, and I guess that's something as well that I try and encourage and empower patients with to know that exercise in general is so good for us. So we should never discourage activity in whatever shape it takes. So if someone enjoys running, I would never ever say you should not run because there's always a way that we can I guess, adjust the loads on the body to allow people to do what makes them feel good, especially when it is an exercise that is so good for us and around activity that is so good for us for so many reasons. Um, Okay, so that's sort of about just like how running does not cause OA. Um, There's this really good meta-analysis from 2017 and it essentially a meta-analysis is where 
researchers look at multiple different papers and multiple different studies and they collate them all together and they look at all the data and they go through all that data and then they sort of find the trends from all of that. So anyway, meta-analysis is a really high quality type of evidence. Obviously the papers that they look at aren't always all high quality, but it's considered um, a high quality way of research or of researching because you are looking at multiple papers, not just one. Anyway, so this meta-analysis, again, I'll link it below. Oh, it's so good. So it says here that of the studies, so there were 25 studies in, included 125,000 people, um, and they found that only 3.5% of recreational runners had hip or knee arthritis. And then the sedentary people had a rate of 10.2% of hip and knee arthritis. So if you're a recreational runner, 3.5% will have knee OA. But if you're a non-runner, 10.2%. So that is a very drastic difference. Um, But this is the next part. Competitive runners actually had a higher rate. So 13.3% of competitive runners had hip and knee OA. So... And when we talk about competitive, these were professional or elite athletes who participated in international competition. So, yes, that is, I guess, the little um, catch there because it makes you think, oh, so there's a point, obviously, where it goes from being good for us to potentially not as good for us. Um, I think, too, we have to consider that these competitive international professional elite athletes also have a lot of other stresses on them and on their body that would affect their overall health. I think this is like a whole nother conversation, but I think competing at a top level in any field is just not sustainable. So you're exposing your body to a, a huge amount of stress. Like when your sport is your profession, it is a lot on your body. It's a lot on your mind. It's a lot. It's a whole lot. So I don't think that's sustainable. And to me, it makes a lot of sense that that would take a toll on your body. Um, but I guess even still, despite that, um, they're only slightly more likely to have knee and hip OA than a general person. And uh, I just think it's really not that significant. And probably not anyone listening to this is a professional runner. But maybe they are. I guess the other part of that is how do we actually define that level of a runner? And so obviously this is across multiple studies. And yeah, the idea is that these people who participate in international competition, the other thing is that they found that these sort of elite runners, um, they ran more than 57 miles a week, which is 92 kilometers per week which is so crazy I remember when I read this paper I my average was like 89 k's a week for that like previous four weeks and I was like sweet like (laughs) I'm I'm under the number like just have to run under 92 k's a week um but yeah it is interesting like I don't think that there is any sort of magic number of like when you tick over 92 k's then that's it then you're categorized as that competitive runner and then you have a greater risk like I think Um, things just aren't that black and white Um, but I guess it just gives a bit of an insight to potentially what number could be detrimental Um, in saying that yeah I really don't think it's black and white Um, I think it's more about the consistency of that level of running and I think it's a lot more than just the number that you run Um, I mean there's so much research as well about like not about 
injuries not being correlated to the volume of running, but more about the intensity of running. And so, I mean, even just stress fractures, it's much more about the intensity than the volume. Um, I mean, that's, a, that's just a whole other topic again. But I think when we think about people who are more at risk of developing OA, I think it is much more related to it being something that, that the sport is consuming a whole person's life and it is a very high intensity for quite an extended period of time. Um, not just a recreational runner who every now and then has some big weeks or has some big weeks for a couple of years, but, um, and you know, they do competitions and things like that, but it also isn't their whole life and they have other things in their life. So anyway, just a bit of food for thought there. I guess the overarching theme is that it really does not cause OA. And I think pretty much everyone can be quite comfortable knowing that running is not going to increase their risk. So keep on running, which is just a great thing to know. I guess the next part is if we do have OA, should we continue running? And I think a lot of people think that if they've got this degenerative joint disease, then they need to stop moving. And that's something that I have a lot of patients come in talking about or um, being concerned about. They say, I've got this knee pain. So like, I'm, I'm just doing everything I can to like help my knee. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, what are you doing? Tell me about that. And they're like, oh, well, like I, I'm not doing any long walks. Like I'm just doing really short ones. And I've stopped doing my classes at the gym and I'm not riding my bike anymore. And it's just crazy because it's it's so wrong and <laughs> it's so sad because I think these people have been given the wrong advice they go to the doctor they get the x-ray the x-ray says bone on bone the doctor says yes correct we found the cause of your pain you've got bone on bone it's only going to get worse as you age and you can do some conservative management but long term you need to get a joint replacement and if I had that information and that was the only information I had, I would think, holy moly, I'm going to rest my knees. I'm not going to make them worse. I'm going to um, put some compression bandages on them and like not do much walking and try and protect them. But the crazy thing is if we just deload our body, um, we just get weaker and our bone density decreases, our muscle mass decreases, all these things actually just get worse. So maybe we're not putting load through that joint, but our the rest of our body's capacity to handle load is now just significantly dropped. And typically when people get pain, like let's say you get pain when you take a step going up the steps, um, a lot of the time, like the pain that you're actually getting is more that your muscles are not supporting those joints. So if we can actually just get stronger, our muscles are able to offload our joints. Our muscles are like the suspension in the car. Like they support, um, you know, the bumps along the road. Um, they make our journey smoother. So if, if we can be really strong and condition our body for the environment rather than try and remove all these things from our environment, we can actually get about really well and be in less pain and improve our function. And so there's actually research as well that shows that running can be an intervention for knee OA and reduce the need for surgery by up to 54%, which to me is just crazy and insane because, again, it just seems so backwards compared to what was my belief growing up that, like, eventually you just have to have a joint replacement. Um, but no, that's not actually the case. In fact, there's... 
there's a few papers that talk about not only um, like exercise and strength training being good for our knees, but running actually reducing pain and improving function. So I think that should empower anyone who's got any joint related conditions that running can improve our symptoms, which is incredible. Um, I should say too, it's not going to change what we see on the x-ray because as we know, it's a degenerative joint condition. It's a very normal process of aging, uh, but that's not going to just reverse. Those findings don't change on x-ray. What we can change though is our muscle mass and we can also change how our joint moves and we can change how our body tolerates the loads of life, whether that be running, walking up or downstairs, beach walking, hiking, I don't know, whatever it is that you like to do, your occupation, you just your day-to-day, putting the washing out, all those good things. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how we actually manage OA. Um, for me, as a physio, when someone comes in with a sore knee and we've determined that they have knee osteoarthritis, I guess the first thing is to look at what someone's goals are and figure out what they're doing in their life currently and what they would like to be doing. And I guess that comes back to what I was saying before, that we can't change what we're actually going to see on the x-ray, but we can change how their body tolerates the load. So I guess the main part of uh, managing this condition or um, improving this condition or the symptoms of the condition is about strengthening our lower limb and strengthening that kinetic chain so that it can tolerate what you want it to tolerate and hopefully for the people listening to this podcast we're talking about running predominantly so if we want to continue running or run more we just need to prepare our body for running so just like basically every other injury that we we get, um, we need to get stronger. We need to give our tissue the capacity to handle load better. Um, and just like I was talking about shock absorption before and our muscles being like part of the suspension system. So if our muscles are really strong, it actually deloads our joints. If you think about how you feel at the end of a long run, your body is getting really tired and you feel really heavy. And every time you land on the pavement, you land really hard. Um, That's because our muscles are really fatigued. So we can't land softly. But when we're fresh and we're feeling good, our muscles aren't fatigued and we sort of land with a bit more spring. And probably just about everyone has experienced this where you do a run and by the end you sort of feel like you've got that sort of stiff joint sort of feeling and you just feel like you're heavy. Yeah, probably everyone can relate to that. That that is literally just that fatigue in the muscles. Um, Another one too, which again, this is just like anecdotal chat, but um, when you run with someone who runs at a different pace to you and you sort of, um, like if you run with someone slower, often I find that really uncomfortable and I sort of feel like I land quite heavy. Um, and I often end up with sore knees, which just seems so weird, but essentially my muscles aren't used to running in that type of biomechanics. So I did something that they weren't used to and they didn't tolerate that load very well. So I think we always have to think about where we are, where we want to be, and then break it down into little steps to get our body to cope with what we want it to cope with. And strength training really is just the primary intervention. So if we come back to the risk factors, um, I did speak about BMI. So Weight management is also really high up there in the treatment for osteoarthritis. 
And I think that's important just for the general population. Again, probably for runners, typically we have a lower BMI, so probably not as um, as important. But in saying that, that's definitely still something to consider. Like maintaining the weight you are is really important. And I would definitely recommend to see a dietitian or a sports dietitian if you think that is something that you need to adjust. I definitely wouldn't recommend doing it on your own um, because there are professionals who can help you with that. But managing your weight is definitely going to be a big factor because even just a couple of extra kilos when we are running, that's a heck of a lot more impact. Um, anyone who's run with a weight vest on knows or like a, a pack um, it's just a lot, <laughs> a lot of extra weight. You really notice the difference, even a couple of kilos. So yes, that's important. But if there's no weight issues, then the next part is about land-based exercise, um, a progressive overload type strength program. Now I'm not going to go into the details of what that strength program would entail, but I guess the main things are that it is progressively overloading. So we need to pick something that is challenging and we do that for a period and then we step it up and then we do that for a period and we step it up. Um, you're pretty much always aiming to get stronger. You don't just sort of pick up the weights and then go, okay, yep, I can do 10 kilos now and now I'll just do 10 kilos forever. The idea is to just continually progress, progress. It doesn't have to be huge, big leaps and bounds, but um, the idea is to get stronger because the stronger you are, the more your body can tolerate the loads of running. And the less load is going through that actual joint. Um, the other good things about exercise in general, um, and this could just be like walking, even swimming. Swimming isn't really like the number one recommended activity for osteoarthritis because there isn't actually enough load to, or yeah, there's just really not quite enough load to make it a primary intervention for OA. But exercise in general reduces inflammation. It also acts as an analgesia, so it acts as pain relief just because you get those happy hormones from exercise. Um, and the other thing too, which is probably often undervalued, but it improves our proprioceptive ability, so our balance system, which is really important. So when you've got um, a sore joint, that balance system can be impaired, which can make it harder for us to move about and just have a normal functioning body and just get about life. So uh, there are, I guess, some other benefits to consider. Also, it helps maintain healthy BMI, which again comes back to one of the things that we would consider in treatment and reducing as a risk factor. But yes, coming back to the strengthening, I would be aiming to target the whole lower limb. So looking at quadriceps and glutes, and then of course, calf. I mean, ideally you're strengthening the whole body, but I would say minimum would be two to three exercises, two to three times a week that are targeting that one muscle group. And so I guess if, yeah, you're wanting to do the bare minimum, I would just try and have two to three compound movements two to three times a week. And a compound movement means you're moving multiple joints at the one time, which allows you to get sort of the most bang for your buck. So covering calves, glutes, quads, core, sort of all in one, as opposed to uh, a more isolated movement where you might just be doing a knee extension. Um, I think the other thing too is that a lot of people fear that going in and lifting heavy weights is going to make their joints worse because you're just putting a lot of load through them. But no, definitely not. You might have a little bit of pain at the start, but pain does not correlate with deterioration or actually destroying, damaging, hurting your knee. So 
I think um, somebody said it in a podcast. I'm trying to remember who it was, but it was really good. And the little phrase was, pain does not equal panic. I wish I could credit this person. So it's not me who said that, but pain should not equal panic. Um, Just because you're experiencing pain, it doesn't mean that you're actually damaging any tissue structures. So a little bit of pain is okay. A little bit of pain is normal, especially if that's sort of what your baseline is too. But just know that what you're doing is you're building strength and the strength in your muscles help support healthy joints. So I think we could definitely have an episode where we go through that in more detail about actually what you would do in the gym. But I guess the big takeaway is get strong and get moving and don't be fearful about running and joint health because what we know is that running is actually so good for our joint health and movement in general is so good for our body for so many reasons, um, physically and mentally for all of our organs, all of our systems, there's just no reason to not be moving. And if you guys know anything about me, you probably know I'm very passionate about, yeah, being active and doing things that make you feel good. And for me, exercise and running in particular makes me feel so good and I enjoy it so much. And I hate to think that there's anyone who wants to do these things, but can't or feels that they can't because they're fearful about making things worse or damaging a structure and it's like well what do I do I need to protect my body because I don't want to be in a wheelchair and I I hate that there's these myths around and that people just don't get the education and often um, it's just this little tiny consult that they get with a doctor and it's you know the doctor explains what's on the x-ray and all the patient hears is these scary terms they don't understand and then that is just in the patient's head. And it's it, this is not at all me saying that um, the doctor doesn't give the right explanation because I think a lot of the time they do. They're just explaining the facts, explaining what it is. But I think it's just misinterpreted. And I think there's just so much more to it that really people need so much more. People need more education around it. And I think the more people learn about it, the more they can feel empowered in getting back to running and getting back to moving and getting back to challenging themselves because our body is designed for movement. Our body really thrives on movement and our body is so adaptable. It will literally adapt at any age to anything you give it. Um, it just, it, that's just what it does. That's how it's designed. It, it is so incredible. And I'm just really hoping that this episode will make you feel excited about moving your body and um, challenging it and encouraging it to adapt to the things that you want it to adapt to so you can live a healthier and happier life and that's pretty much it so if you've got any questions hit me up send me a message I love talking about this stuff and I'm really keen to hear your thoughts as well and if you are a health professional listening to this and you think I've missed anything or Um, potentially said anything backwards (laughs) or just um, yeah feel free to let me know Um, and as I said I'll put the research in the links in the links in the description so you guys can check out some of those articles and that's pretty much it Um, have a great Sunday team if you're listening to this on a Sunday when it comes out and just keep on doing all the good things don't forget to like and subscribe and share on instagram and just all that good stuff Alrighty, bye